0: The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Sunday edition of the best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. What is the ballot question for this fall's federal election? The campaign officially began on Wednesday, the same day Libby Snymer discussed with political strategists Bob Richardson and Aleem Kanji their opinions on what matters to Canadians for this vote.
2: Governments are voted... Out of office. And and sometimes when that happens, there is a change mandate that's at play. Um, And I think based on the uh, the the chatter, the analysis, some of the things that the leaders are talking about, um, we're not seeing a real mandate for change. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you an example. Let's quickly go through the slogans for this campaign with the liberals choose forward.
3: Whatever what, that means.
2: Whatever that means. Whatever, uh, whatever that means with the Conservatives, <laughs> I agree. it's time for you to get ahead. The NDP, we're in it for you. The Greens, which I think is very clever, not left, not right, forward, together. And then the... <laughs> Too long. <laughs> the People's Party of Canada that I affectionately term the PP Party is strong and free. And so when you look at these descriptors, when you look at these slogans, where is the mandate for change?
3: Even people who are a bit fed up with Justin Trudeau, the thinking is, well, is it bad enough for us to get rid of him? Is that an imperative? And and what's the alternative?
4: Uh, You know, uh, as a Liberal, I think they're in pretty good shape for this election. You never know until uh, it actually happens. But um, it's hard to run on the change platform when the economy is in pretty good shape. Over a million jobs created hundreds of thousands of people lifted out of poverty our numbers compared to other g7 countries are uh, are good so on and so forth it's it's you know infrastructures getting built across the country a whole variety of different things it's tough uh, for the opposition to say it's a disaster you need change because people look at what's going on and they go well that's not a disaster so uh, so it's a it's a bit of a tough uh, road for the opposition this time out the government on the other hand can't set as, can't um, sound arrogant. So they need to be saying, we got a lot more work to do. We made progress in the last four years, but we have a lot more work to do. And that's what they need to articulate and outline over the next 40 days.
3: Now, Bob, I know that you think that the Ford government and Doug Ford is a big problem for the Conservatives here in Ontario. Uh, has anything changed on your view on that?
4: Well, you know, I, I don't think so. It has been. I mean, I've talked to a number of Liberal MPs and candidates across Ontario. Ford comes up almost at every second door. And, you know, here in the fall right now, you've got students who are having trouble completing their high school uh, certificates because there's not enough courses available. You've got a university and colleges. Uh, uh, students mad over OSAP. You've got Hallway Healthcare had its worst month in 10 years uh, this past month, and the list goes on. Even the judges yesterday were yelling at them. So, I mean, there's a fairly substantial body of folks out there who've got a gripe with the province. That's
2: not he- helpful to Andrew Shear, whether that's fair or not. But the thing is, really, is, is I think when you look at things, What's the real opposition here? I think this is going to be Justin Trudeau versus Doug Ford. It will be Justin Trudeau versus Stephen Harper. It'll be Justin Trudeau versus Jason Kenney. And as we saw last night in Manitoba, re-election of another Conservative uh, Premier. And these people are household names in their respective jurisdictions. Now, I don't think the Liberals got a a hope in hell in Alberta. uh, But I do think when you look at the battleground of Ontario... Uh, and when you look at uh, places like uh, Quebec and and BC in certain pockets, that's where the narrative will will be framed, and they will go after uh, the the stalwart conservatives that have been there, uh, and that includes the premier in this province uh, in in Doug Ford. And so, how does he contrast that? We know that uh, the Queens Park is not sitting until after. The federal election. We know that the premier is not being as active in this as he has been uh, previously, certainly with, with other provincial campaigns. Uh, and so how does, how does that play out? And, you know, we're a year and a bit into the mandate of the Ford government. Will that be on the minds of voters come election day in Ontario, in the battleground, in places like the 905, um, in Brampton and Mississauga and elsewhere, uh, that could in fact decide this federal election?
1: Alim Kanji, VP of Government Relations Sutherland, and Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel to National Public Relations. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. The Ford PCs are defending their plans to enhance community and home care as a way to end hallway medicine. Health Minister Christine Elliott joined Libby a week after a report from the Ontario Hospital Association revealed that wait times in hallways have gotten worse, not better, since the PCs took power after they campaigned on eliminating hallway medicine.
5: We made a a budget commitment that uh, we've added to, actually. Uh, We've added an $11 million more, so we recognize that we need to invest more in home and community care services because they're all connected with the issue of hallway healthcare, and we are uh, focusing on that and putting money into $45 million into innovative, um, targeted models that are going to provide hospitals that have particularly difficult issues with hallway Healthcare to make sure that they can start clearing those numbers down.
3: You're talking about some innovative programs. Can you describe those, please?
5: Sure. We've got um, several that uh, we're working on. One is with um, Sunnybrook Hospital for a home and community hub with a, an integrated. Um, allied care team that's present in the emergency department to avoid admissions and ensure patients have the necessary supports to be discharged home. So that can happen um, in the emergency department. But there are other programs that are happening at um, Unity Health, North York General, Ottawa Hospital to make sure that when patients have completed their length of stay but require um, more A more complex plan of care than maybe some others, that they can be discharged home, that there are many people who end up in hospital for far longer periods than they wish, or that the hospital wishes because they need to be able to admit more new patients. So we want to make sure that people can go home. That's where they want to be, and we need to make sure that they have the necessary home care supports around them. So that's why we're investing much more heavily in home and community care, Um, because that's what patients want, but it also helps to relieve the issue of hallway health care in hospitals.
3: By the latest numbers, uh, there are about 4,500 patients in this alternate level of care. They're occupying hospital beds that they don't really need, but they don't have a placement. So is this going to take those numbers down?
5: Yes, yes, it will. It will. And one of the ways that we can do that, of course, is to build more long-term care placements for them but it's also home and community care is also a key way to reduce those numbers by allowing people to perhaps go to the reactivation care centers and then home or in some cases just be discharged home from the hospital with those supports around them because they need to be safe and they need to have their health needs cared for. That's why we're really um, encouraging and and um, supporting more home and community care. And we're finding that the associations are working extremely well together. Uh, we had the head of the Ontario Hospital Association at the announcement today, the Home Care Association, Community Care Association, and uh, Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. They are all working collaboratively because they know that um, this isn't a solution that is only the responsibility of hospitals to deal with. All healthcare professionals are involved with this. And this is the kind of integrated healthcare that we want to see happen across the province as part of our overall plan to transform healthcare, but in this case, particularly to help end hallway healthcare. People remember that Your
3: government uh, in the last campaign promised to end hallway health care in a year. You've had to walk that back. So what's your reaction to having to do that?
5: And do you have an ETA, shall we say, for ending it? Well, we didn't, as our election promised, promise to eliminate hallway health care in a year. We indicated that we would eliminate hallway health care. And we are actively working on it. I get um, briefed on it daily. And so I would say that within the next few months you're going to see changes. Is it going to be eliminated within a year? Um, I can't say that because you never know what's going to happen. We can anticipate flu season. I hope that there's nothing else that causes uh, uh, people to be in large numbers in hospital. We want to see people stay out of hospital as much as possible. So we are working on it. We are looking at the metrics. We, there, unfortunately, there weren't um, metrics in place when we came into office to be able to um, view this on a daily basis. But we've put those metrics in place now and we are monitoring them very carefully. Okay, so so no idea how long
3: it will take to get rid of this problem?
5: Well, I, I would like to think within the, within the year, but I can't guarantee that. All I can say is that's what we're
1: working towards. Ontario Health Minister Christine Elliott. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Her name was Evangeline La Rosa. She was 54. She crossed the street and was killed by a cement truck at Young and Erskine, a residential neighborhood. There was a sign clearly marked with the words, No Trucks. Some city leaders are not allowing this to go by with the usual platitudes about taking care and sharing the roads. In the wake of the crash, Councilors Mike Cole... Jay Robinson and Josh Matlow are calling on the city to improve pedestrian safety immediately around all major construction sites. Cole likens construction in the Young and Eglinton area as a nonstop invasion, and he's asking for a pause in development in the neighborhood until roads in the area are made safe for pedestrians. This would mean stopping both condo development and the building of the Eglinton Crosstown, in particular. On Thursday, Fight Back devoted an entire hour to this issue. Libby was joined by Jamie Robinson of MetroLinks and Toronto City Council. Jay Robinson, James Pasternak, Josh Matlow, and Mike Cole. We've got
0: to do something uh, effective and dramatic and quick uh, because uh, this has gone on uh, long enough and this is sort of the uh, crossing of the uh, line here with what's happened because, you know, earlier this year I had another uh, constituent uh, run over by a dump truck uh, up there on uh, Lawrence Avenue. So, we need to do something that uh, is comprehensive. It just isn't one street or it just isn't uh, Josh's ward or my ward. Uh, the, it's the three wards that uh, but uh, Young and Eglinton. We are all, uh, as I said, invaded by uh, these the construction uh, heavy-duty trucks uh, you know, lined up 10 at a time. We've got, as you said, we have also have uh, this mammoth uh, Eglinton Crosstown project along with all these you know, condos, which are going from uh, 20 stories to 70 stories. So we need to put in some kind of uh, uh, traffic uh, management safety plan uh, right away with the police, with the transportation department, with the uh, developers. we got to come to the table and put something together. uh, uh, And we cannot, uh, you know, continue to... uh, put band-aids on this. We need something comprehensive for the uh, Four Corners.
3: Okay, uh, Josh Matlow, you're in the neighboring ward in St. Paul's, full disclosure, I live there. There is also a lot of construction there. What do you see in your ward?
6: Well, certainly, um, and I'm not, not, not alone at Young and Eglinton, but uh, but most of all at Young and Eglinton, given that it's a provincially designated growth uh, center that we see um, an unprecedented level of condo development, um, and you know, w- without some of the basics that we believe Mike and, and Jay Robinson, I believe, along with our our residents, uh, should be be there to protect our quality of life and our public safety. Um, you know, the reason that the three of us have been asking for a pause on development for many years, along with safety, is that um, uh, the, the the pace of growth has gone faster than. Uh, the, uh, the ability for, for government to provide adequate capacity for school spaces and transit, uh, and parks, uh, and, and basic infrastructure like water capacity to keep up with that pace of growth. What we've also seen is a lot of frustration. And what's been building up in the Young and Eglinton area is that, uh, uh there is, uh, there are drivers who are waiting endlessly through the construction who become aggressive. And uh, speed where they want to speed because they are trying to get away from that uh, that that mess. The problem is is that far too many drivers across the city don't always recognize that you know the, the people walking around them or in front of them are not just obstructions. These are people who somebody somebody loves. They're they're somebody's daughter or son or sister or brother or friend, uh, as Evangeline was. And uh, you know if, if if all of us don't slow down more people are going to die that's just a fact and we have to address the problem both through behavioral changes individually but collectively we need to move forward with real genuine vision zero implementation to redesign and reconfigure roads and i gave the example yesterday when mike j and i got together with with residents um in in 53 division one of the police divisions where young and Eglinton is for example that goes all the way from Lawrence down to Bloor, Thorncliffe Park, all the way to Spadina. The police only allocate two traffic cops to enforce the Highway Traffic Act, which is, 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 is just ridiculous. It's insufficient. And, 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 and far too many drivers uh, believe that they're not going to get caught and there are no consequences, and they're probably right. But Mike and I are on the same page, along with Jay, that there should be a plan up front before any development is built to to not just focus on what they want to build, but most importantly, how are they going to do it and how are they going to do it safely? And that needs to be a comprehensive approach in neighbourhoods like Young, Young and Eglinton. And I would also add areas of the downtown core and North York and wherever uh, construction is, is 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 massive, and to the extent uh, that we see in urban growth centers.
3: I'd like to bring in Councillor James Pasternak, who is chair of the Infrastructure and Environment Committee. This idea of, of putting a halt until some kind of something is put in, is, is that at all realistic? A
7: moratorium on construction? I'm not sure that whether the city... Uh, has the legal means to do it and whether the courts will even uphold any kind of freeze on construction. So I don't know whether the legal tools are there. Uh, these applications went through the proper process, rightly or wrongly. Uh, they were approved. Uh, they did have a traffic and pedestrian safety plan attached to every site plan agreement. Whether there are holes in that, that's another part of the debate. There are holes in that. Uh, but to freeze development in a major intersection, I'm just not sure whether we have the legal tools to do it and whether the courts or the province would even uphold it. One thing I put in my notes here, I noticed that uh... Pusateri's, uh up at Avenue Road and uh, Lawrence has a, a I assume a paid duty officer directing traffic uh, in and out of their parking lot and I'm I'm wondering uh, why uh, uh, an upscale uh, grocery store is is more in tune to uh, some of the safety requirements of their customers uh, as opposed to some of the managers of these construction sites. And uh, it's something that we, we have to have stronger penalties. We have to have greater enforcement. We have to take care of the things that are municipal jurisdiction. And if we have to ask for more powers from the province, I think we should do so.
3: Right now, I would like to bring in Jamie... Robinson, and he is the Director of Community Relations and Communications for Rapid Transit Projects at Metrolinks, and they, of course, are in charge of that construction. What is your reaction to what you've been hearing and also the suggestion for a moratorium on this construction?
8: One of the things that we know is that is that uh, Crossings Transit Solutions and and the who's our constructor on the Crosstown, and the Crosstown itself? It's it's the most and and highly regulated from a traffic uh, control point of view, and and I think that we we've really set the standard uh, through our constructor for traffic safety in a, in a construction environment. So safety is our is our, is our number one priority. It's tremendously important that the uh, that uh, we, we we maintain community safety as much as possible. And I'm not sure that the the other developers, the condominium developers, are same, subject to the same uh, regulations that uh, that uh, we are in terms of approved uh, truck routes. So you've got uh, the cross town, which is which is a huge uh, massive construction project. We've been working a on in Edmonton since uh, since uh, spring of uh, uh, 20, 2012 when we began tunneling, and then since that time there's been all you know tremendous amount of development there's all condos going up all over the place you 've got um, uh, people the trucks that are driving in re- residential communities where they shouldn 't be you 've got drivers of vehicles that are trying to avoid the congestion in these areas driving in, in adjacent res- residential communities and you 've got people that uh, that uh, that are are at risk all the time so it's it 's a collective effort that we 've really got to work to, together on to solve'd
3: like to bring in councillor Jay Robinson uh, you were saying uh, you know following this terrible crash that took the life of Evangeline LaRosa, that the truck was on a street that was clearly marked no trucks. You know, enough is enough.
9: Like, uh, this is just crazy. This poor woman was in a crosswalk in the white-striped area and uh, simply crossing a street that I have crossed uh, 500 times, as have my family and friends and neighbors, so you know we live in this neighborhood, and people want to feel safe. And she simply came out of, I think, the Starbucks uh, on the uh, one side was simply going across the street in the protected zone, a so-called protected zone, and lost her life.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's,
8: as we've talked about here, we're, this is such a such an important complex issue. We're all we've all got to work hard together to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to make these communities as safe as, safe as possible. There's a lot of players in this, and Metrolinx is one, and our constructors are others, and we're happy to work with people uh, to, to, to roll up our sleeves to, to uh, do it, whatever measures can be taken to make things safe.
3: Okay, Jay Robinson?
9: I would just echo Jamie's comments and saying, um, I think everybody's working collectively to do the best they can. But, you know, it's just the pressures. Just to speak to the truck driver for a minute, it's the pressures. There's such sheer volume and quantity. And it's the pressures in the area that are creating this aggressive driving and this aggression across the Young eglinton corridor. And across the whole city. Across the whole city, but we're seeing it um, there. I think, yes. I think it's just it's so important that, uh, you know, the other thing I just want to add quickly, Libby, is people are saying trucks are parking on the sidewalks in these construction areas. I've moved motions on that. And
1: we've, that's got to stop. That's pushing pedestrians out into the roadway. City Councillors Jay Robinson, James Pasternak, Josh Matlow, and Mike Cole, along with Jamie Robinson of Metrolinx. I'm Jane Brown. This is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Kevin in Toronto phone to say he thinks more pedestrians need to be responsible for their own safety. I've
6: lost count of the amount of times that I've had pedestrians just step off the curb in front of my vehicle. The onus too often is put on the driver and not enough on the pedestrian. Pedestrians, they seem to have this sense of self-entitlement that if I step off the, the curb and you hit me, well, I had the right of way. And that's just not the way it is. I mean, sure you want to you want to say that as a pedestrian you know it's going to be kind of hard when you're staring down the grill of a back truck just about to run you over
1: paul in brampton called to offer his opinion on the state of canada ahead of the federal election
6: i'm not looking for charisma i'm not looking for nice hair or socks i want results and i think the economy is number 1 i think it comes down to bread and butter issues the price the cost of living in the last 4 years has skyrocketed and most of the people I know are struggling to get by. Now, they may, may make a decent living, but they're no farther ahead than they were four years ago. They're actually struggling. The NDP, I heard this morning, is basically going to be giving away everything for free. Well, that means as a, a person who works every day, they're going to hit my wallet a lot harder in taxes to pay for their free giveaways.
0: And now... Fightback's knockout
1: call of the week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback knockout call of the week comes from Rick in Etobicoke, who claims to know firsthand as a truck driver the way construction projects work around Young and Eglinton, where a woman was killed this week by a cement truck.
6: The government itself, the MTO, they're not using their power. There's, I can name you right now five concrete companies that are, drivers are working 20 hours a day. You're only allowed to drive for 13. They should be going in and auditing their hour books. they got to go and check their wages and see how many hours they're getting paid for. That's number one. And there's five companies. And that accident that happened, that's one of the companies that are scamming Just forcing people to work, a driver like me, to go and work. And if I don't, I don't have a job. Eighty percent of the dump trucks on the road are, are running illegal. And they're paid by the load. And if you don't hustle, you don't have a job. So it starts right from the top.
1: at fightback at zoomer.ca, and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Make sure to join me again next weekend for a roundup of The Best of Fightback.
0: The Best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham, executive producer Moses Nimer.